a lot of people say like fake it till you make it's bullshit. Like I am the opposite. I think fake it till you make it is a huge, huge skill. Do it, try it, learn it, love it. Welcome to the Big Kid Problems podcast, based on the comedic social channel all about not wanting to be an adult. I'm your host, the writer, creator, and pretty normal human being behind Big Kid Problems, Sarah Merrill. Now, I've spent the last almost decade making jokes about entering the adult world, and as I've gotten older, I've realized that no matter what your age is, we all have Big Kid Problems. So each week, we will take a funny yet informative look at a specific Big Kid Problem, break it down with our roundtable panel, then have out an expert to help us solve our problem of the week. From love and relationships, career, money, physical and mental health, bad decisions, and just general life responsibilities, nothing is off limits. So thank you so much for joining me as we navigate adulthood together. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hi, guys. Welcome to another week and another episode of the Big Kid Problems podcast. Ooh, all right. This week is a special episode because I am attempting my first ever solo episode this week. Very exciting. Um, I think of all the episodes we've done up until this point, I'm most nervous about this episode. But it's going to be great. I polled you guys over on Instagram on the Big Kid Problems. I asked you if I was going to do a solo episode, what you would want to hear me talk about. And the resounding answer was that you all wanted to hear about my little entrepreneurial journey of how I turned Big Kid Problems into my full-time job. I think this is an appealing topic to a lot of people because, you know, we all have passions. We all have things that we love. And at least in my experience, you know, working from the corporate world, my passions were way different than what I was doing professionally. So it was a full journey of how I transitioned out of corporate into running my own business. There's been a lot of surprises along the way. There's definitely a mix of like, you know, expectation versus reality when you are starting your own business. So I figured I would, you know, give you my little spiel, tell you how this whole thing came to be. And what I really wanted to do is make sure that it's not just like me telling you my story, but I wanted to also include like a lot of, you know, tips and tricks, like things I picked up along the way, like actual tools that I used, you know, while I was setting up my business. And, you know, I'm going to give it to you straight. I'm going to include the mistakes I've made. And hopefully any of you out there can learn, um, you know, learn from my mistakes, learn from my experience, and hopefully walk away with some like actual, you know, practical info from this episode. So without further ado, let's just jump right into it. Big kid problems. So I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about how this whole thing started and really like the genesis of this turning into a business. Because at the time I started big kid problems, I had absolutely no expectation of this ever ever becoming a business and and you know things change. So I, I started Big Kid Problems and many of you if you've heard past episodes, you've kind of heard this general spiel, but I started in college. I was getting ready to graduate. I was in my final semester, senior year, you know, had been applying for jobs not getting anywhere. <laughs> um, I was in finals week and in finals week, this is, you know, this is back in 2011. This was 
pre-Instagram days, I mean, not to date myself too much, but before Instagram, um, the main way that I procrastinated was through Twitter. Like I loved Twitter. I still love Twitter. But at the time I had just discovered this account called like White Girl Problems. I don't know if anybody else follows that one. It's it's still out there. It's still great. But I would just find myself like in the basement of my sorority house, like where I used to study, just like scrolling through white girl problems and just like loving this Twitter feed. And I was like, you know, I could kind of do this. Like I, it was just like little funny, you know, 142 character tweets, little witty remarks. I'm like, I could totally do this. And like, you know, make it specific to like a college student. And at the time there was a couple other accounts, like problem, like problems accounts. Like I think there was like post-grad problems, like a couple of these other ones started popping up. So I was thinking of a name and I'm like, you know what? I don't really, I I don't want to be an adult. Like I'm being forced into the adult world. I don't feel like an adult. I kind of, I really feel like a big kid who's like lost. And that's kind of why I like I thought of the name big kid problems. And I'm like, you know what? I don't even really like that name, but let me just use it as a placeholder and I'll think of something more creative down the line. And here we are eight, eight years later. But big kid problems, I I just created it on Twitter, started putting up like little funny tweets consistently. And it was, you know, tailored kind of towards like the college student transitioning into adulthood. So it started to get a little bit popular on my campus. You know, a couple of my friends heard about it. Things started trickling out. And yeah, I mean, I just, I saw that it was starting to pick up a following, a very, very small following. I mean, like I got to like a hundred followers and I was like, this is amazing. Uh, But I was just encouraged to like keep going. And I graduated school and just to kind of like back up a quick second, professionally, I had no idea what I was going to do post-college. Even when I was going into school, I just, I, I didn't, I didn't have a career that was jumping out to me. I'm like, I know that I'm good at things, but like, there's no real job that I see myself doing. So as a default, I, you know, I was like, I'm good at school. Uh, I could, and I want to make money. Like maybe I'll go to law school. Like that was kind of my default answer. And then I went to college. I, I got an internship in New York City my junior year and was like, oh, screw law school. I'm just going to move to New York. I love New York. So, and I, when I, when I went to New York, I, I really, I wanted to work in entertainment because I, I saw that what a fun lifestyle that was in New York. So I ended up finding a career, a job in PR. So when I moved to New York right after graduating, I started working in PR. And this, I'm just telling you this to kind of give you a sense of like, there's big kid problems world and then there's my professional world and they are completely two separate things. I was doing big kid problems completely anonymously because of course I was like at that age where I was applying for jobs. I didn't want to get in trouble. I didn't want anyone to find out the things I was saying on the internet. So I start my job in PR in New York City and pretty much off the bat, I realize it's not what I thought it was going to be. You know, I'm making like no money working like 70 plus hour weeks. And I'm talking like I was making around, I think, $35,000 a year in New York, which is really, really hard to live on. I mean, like the struggle was real. And just to kind of speed up the story quickly, uh, I, you know, started, I 
went to different firms. Like I found, I wound up in three different PR firms, like in my early twenties, like just trying to make more money. Like every time I switched a firm, I would get like a little bit of a bump in salary, you know, bump up my position, but I just hated it. Like towards the end, I was getting so incredibly burnt out. I'm like, this isn't what I'm passionate about. I don't love this. And, uh, I decided I wanted to leave, but I, didn't really know what I what else I wanted to do. So at the same time, I went to a recruiting firm, just basically completely depleted, scared, lost, you know, just not wanting to like lose, you know, New York. I knew I wanted to stay in New York and I had to make money to live there. So I went to this recruiting firm. I ended up becoming like really good friends with the recruiter who I met with. She was awesome. And she was like, why don't you just work here for a little bit? Like we need help on our team. At the time I was like a recruiting firm. Like what? This is not like what I picture for myself at all. Long story short, short, I, um, I, she hires me to work there. I'm like, I'll let me work for, you know, maybe one to two months while I apply at other jobs and I'll, I'll find something else. I ended up working there for four years. Uh, and I actually liked it. I mean, it was a good job. Um, they paid me well. They actually kind of like made a position for me where I was doing a lot of business development. So it was cool. And now back to Big Kid Problems. At this same time, Big Kid Problems, still anonymous. I'm still doing it. Like, especially now that I'm in this corporate job that I really was in this industry now, like this recruiting industry, which never, ever thought that I would be in, like not really interested in. But I had this outlet that was allowing me to like use all of these other aspects of my personality, of my brain that I loved doing. So I continue just creating content on Big Kid Problems every single day. I love doing it. It's amassing more and more of an audience. And also around this time, this is around like 2013, 2014-ish, like Instagram is starting to take off. And I feel like I remember almost where I was when I saw like the Fat Jewish's account for the first time. And I saw like my first meme, which is crazy to like think about, you know, memes are like so ingrained in our culture now, but there was a time when they were brand new. And I saw the Fat Jewish's account and these memes were basically just like the tweets that I had been putting up, but with a picture underneath. So I'm like, you know what? I could, I could make these. So that's around the time I moved over from Twitter to Instagram. And then it like really started to pick up. And I remember, you know, I started creating my own memes and the Fat Jewish reposted one of my memes, which was amazing. And I grew like 5,000 followers overnight. And I was like, oh, I think I'm onto something here. So, you know, at this point, I have two complete different focuses. I have, um, you know, my professional life and I have Big Kid Problems, which is just like my super little passion project. But I also started seeing that you know, other accounts like the Fat Jewish and, you know, some other ones were kind of turning their accounts into a brand. And I could see that they were, they were turning it into more of a business. And this is one of the like first key lessons that I think I learned in business is that, you know, if you, I, I realized I wanted to do this too. And rather than try and reinvent the wheel, I'm like, let me look at the people who are doing this better than I am and model, you know, my account over, over some of these. So, I mean, I looked at the fat Jewish, I looked at Betches, I looked at girl with no job and I see them turning this into a brand. And I just start to, I'm like, I'm going to use this as an example to help me model my business. So I really got, I really started to focus on big kid problems, turning it into a brand. So I made sure, you know, I used the same fonts consistently. I made sure I had a grid system. Like if you look at the big kid problems account on Instagram, you'll notice there is a format. Like it looks clean. Like I have, it's, 
it's meme tweet, meme tweet. Um, but there's like a whole, there's a whole thought process behind it. And I made sure I got very clear on what a big kid problem is. Like, I'm not going to post a Sarah Merrill problem. I'm going to make sure that this, every post that I put up is like a general, like millennial relatable issue. So I wanted to be very consistent. So I started to turn my account more into a brand. And then this is around the time where I started to see like ad advertising was starting to get trickled in. And that's like how, you know, a lot of accounts started making money early on was doing promotions, you know, posting little promos on their accounts. So, you know, businesses were reaching out to me at this time. I, you know, I'm not doing anything like actively business-wise. Like I'm just having brands reach out to me, like working on promos. So that was the first way I started making money. And that's always the question people ask in social media is they're like, how do your accounts make money? And promos are like, first and foremost, the main thing, but there are actually a lot of other ways. So the types of opportunities that started coming to me, obviously promotions. Again, I started modeling my account over some what I saw other people doing. So I saw like merchandise was a thing. I created my own line of merchandise, which to this day you can still find on the bigkidproblems.com. So merchandise was another revenue stream, product collaboration. So around this time, like early years, like I don't, you guys probably know like the Fat Jewish has White Girl Rose is like a product collaborate collaboration. Like I I was approached for another wine collaboration, which I started doing. And like, that was a revenue stream. Um, I started doing like in-store events, like in tandem with that collab. So I was getting paid to go to in-store events. So there's, there's a lot of like little things that I was doing that was making money under like the Big Kid Problems umbrella. Um, I was also doing digital content for brands. So like, that means... Not only was I doing a promotion, like most promotions you see, like you make a promotion and you post it on your social media account. This was, I was creating content and giving it to the brand so they could post it on their social, if that makes sense. But that was another way that I was making money. So around this time, I I realize I have like a nice little side hustle going on and I start taking it a little bit more serious. And I used to listen to like, I still listen to all these like business podcasts. And I heard this like great piece of advice in one of the ones I was listening to. It, it said like, if it was about personal branding and it said to take all of your revenue streams, write them down on a piece of paper and then rank them based off of, you know, how much revenue it was generating. If it was like a high generator or a low income generator, how much you liked doing it and how time consuming it was. So if anybody's in this boat and, you know, building a business or building a personal brand, I encourage you to do this too. So that's the, this is what I did. I literally wrote down all of those revenue streams and I started to rank them based off of like what I liked doing, how much money it was making. And it was actually very, very eye opening. So like promotions, first thing, you know, that was, I was making the highest amount of money doing promotions. And it was really easy to do. I'm like, yeah, let me focus on promotions. Then I got to like merchandise and I'm like, oh, actually merchandise is taking me a long time to make. I have to design it. I have to, you know, set up a vendor to do drop shipping. And then, you know, if, if a mug, cause I do a lot of coffee mugs, like if a mug shows up broken, you know, I'm getting the customer service complaint. I have to make sure it's right, pay for repair. So I'm like, that is actually a lot of work and not really that high revenue generating. So it, by doing this list, it actually, I, I went down the list of my revenue streams and was able to kind of prioritize what I needed to focus on. And um, that's really what I did. And that that was great. And then up until this point, so I have my side hustle going. I'm grooming it a little bit more and more. 
And then a turning point happens. (laughs) And this is like, this really is the turning point of when things really started to take off and change is I got onto the Steve Harvey show. And let me just like back up to tell you how that all happened because it's kind of like a wild story and I'll, I'll make it short, but it is important. So Around the time, um, it's funny, friend of the show, Lindsay Hubbard, if you listened to the first season, Lindsay was on, I think, twice. One of my very best friends, she's also on Summer House, if anybody out there watches Bravo TV um, religiously like I do. Um, But Lindsay and I had worked in PR together earlier on in our lives. And at this time, she was starting her own um, PR firm, Hub House PR. So we were chit-chatting. She, at the same time, was seeing me growing Big Kid Problems. She's like, I think I can help you. You know, we meet for dinner. We're like chit-chatting. She's like, let me do your PR for a couple months. At the time, you know, I had my merchandise line. The holidays were coming up. She's like, well, you know, pitch it out to magazines, whatever. I'll send it out to my whole list. We'll see what happens. Amazing. So she takes, you know, a little pitch about me explaining like who I am, what Big Kid Problems is, and sends it to her entire media list. One of those people happened to be a producer at the Steve Harvey show who happened to already follow Big Kid Problems. So she read the pitch and was like, oh my God, I love Big Kid Problems. And I had no idea it was like a 20 something girl, like living in a studio in New York, like actually doing this stuff. I love the story. So the producer reached out, was interested in having me on the show. And there was just one little problem. It's that like to be on a national TV show, you need a degree of like media training and experience on being on TV. And I had zero. So Lindsay being the smart, savvy lady that she is, she's like, okay, it's okay that you don't have any experience. We're going to shoot a video and like, you're going to get your experience this way. So we shot, we shot a video literally in her office of me giving social media tips to just show that I knew how to be on camera, which me personally, I did not feel comfortable on camera at all, but fake it till you make it. So she sends that back to the producer. The producer's like, this is cute. I love it. We're going to book her. So I get booked to do the Steve Harvey show. Now this is where a couple key things that I did here that I think are important lessons for anybody going into business. One, I found myself in a position where I'm like, oh crap. (laughs) I'm like, this is a huge opportunity. This is amazing, but I am so not prepared for this. How do I get prepared in two weeks? I think it was like two weeks from when I got booked to when I was going to be on the show. So um, knowing that I had stage fright and that this was going to be filmed in front of a 200 person live audience, I'm like, I need to get stage experience like now. And the quickest way I knew how to do that was to do open mic stand up in New York, because especially in New York and probably any city you're in, there's open mics, like open mics are a thing. And New York is great for them. I actually lived in the village in New York and there's like a comedy club every for every, you know, stone you throw, you hit a comedy club. So I started to just like really quickly get up and do open mics in front of five people, 10 people, just to get comfortable being on stage and speaking in front of people. So that was how I began to just try and get a little bit of experience under my belt. And then the second piece was I can't explain how important this is, but faking it till you make it is like an absolute skill that can save you in life. So just to give you a sense, like I show up, I I fly to Chicago to do Steve Harvey. I get to NBC Studios. You know, I'm in my inside. I am absolutely 
panicking. On the outside, I am just making sure the whole time I'm like, Sarah, just look like you belong here. Look like you belong here. I had a smile on my face. I tried to, I just literally tricked my body and brain into being like, looking like I was comfortable, looking like I was relaxed, even though inside I was panicking. And like that goes a very long way. If you can get your body in control to just at least portray a level of calm, your mind, it it helps. You know what I mean? So a lot of people say like, fake it till you make it's bullshit. Like I am the opposite. I think fake it till you make it is a huge, huge skill. Do it, try it, learn it, love it. it. It saved me, at least in this instance. Another big thing also is like, I think talent is one thing, but you know, I got booked on the show, but I ended up getting booked two other times on the show. So I, I went on Steve Harvey three times and I don't necessarily think it was a hundred percent because I was so great on the show. I think a big piece of it was that I was like a nice, easy person to work with. And I can't stress enough how far that that can get you in life. You know, like I just made sure I was so polite to every person I came across with on the show. My producers, you know, like they actually changed up the segment on like last minute the day of and I rolled with it. I'm like, you know, of course, whatever you whatever you need me to do, I will do. How can I help promote? Do you want me to post on social media? Like, let me know. Like, I was just very accommodating, very nice, very easy to work with. And honestly, I think that that contributed to this my success and getting rebooked on the show almost more than anything else. And I have to say too, like now that I've done some of these things, it's funny. Um, you know, I've been out of I've hosted events and I've, you know, been on TV before. And I'm always I always look around and I always like to kind of observe how other people in the industry are acting because like I'm I'm an outsider in the industry. Like I don't know. And it's amazing to me that like some really high up people are very polite very easy to work with, very accommodating. And I've seen other people in the industry like be jerks. And it's always just so fascinating to me. Like I'll give you an example, like an event I was hosting, we had like, there was another reality star that was booked and they were just such a jerk to everyone around them and like very demanding, like wanted to leave earlier than they were booked for. And the other people that were there for the event were not that way. And I'm, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, this chick doesn't even realize that like, yeah, she's, she's popular now, but eventually like you need people around you to like working with you or you're not going to get booked. So I just think that that's an important piece to point out. Being nice, being calm, cool, collected will get you far in life, even if you're panicking on the inside. After Steve Harvey happens, things really turn around because I was on that show as a social media expert. You know, they introduced me as Big Kid Problems, but I was also a social media expert because I worked in the space. I taught Steve Harvey what memes were. I taught him what other things were in social media. So now I start getting inquiries. Like people, businesses are reaching out to me and saying like, you know, I saw you as a as um, a social media expert. Like we're looking to bring somebody in to our team. We're looking for somebody to help us turn our business around on social media, help us find their audience. And I had never thought up until that point that I could turn my experience in social into part of my business as well. Like I had spent a lot of time building an audience. I knew what worked. I knew, you know, 
the tricks and things that you did behind social to get your feed more recognized and algorithms and stuff. So I was like, actually, I have acquired a a certain amount of skills that could help me help businesses um, achieve success in social media. So that actually led to me, I'm like, I can start consulting. And that was another revenue stream that I could add to my my little paper that actually was bringing in enough money where I'm like, ooh, okay. If I can do this, I think I can finally leave my corporate job. So once I had the consulting piece down, uh, I knew that I was going to be now making enough revenue that I could step away from my corporate job and really focus on this full time, which was huge. So around that time, I I realized I was wanting to leave my work, but there was a lot of things I needed to do before I just up and quit my job. And these are the most important key things because there's a lot of things, you know, we take, especially now, I'm like, you take for granted when you're working in an office. I mean, you have your health insurance covered paid. You have, I had like a match on my 401k, which is amazing, you know, through my work. I had consistent paychecks coming through. So I knew if I was going to leave all of that, I, A, not only needed to have very consistent revenue coming in, but I also needed to have a cushion because when you're working for yourself, you know, it's just, it's not the same consistency as a paycheck you get every two weeks. Things, things fluctuate. So I knew I needed to have a big, big cushion. And really about six months before I left my job, I really started, I'm already a big saver, um, but I really started saving up. And I knew I wanted to have a cushion that was at least like, I could not work for six months and be okay and pay my rent for six months. So that was my goal. And it's funny, actually, when I pulled you guys about uh, the solo episode that you wanted me to do, what came in second was saving because I've been talking a long time about what a ridiculous saver I am. And I promise you, if you guys like this solo episode, I will do a whole thing on like how I save money across the board because it's <laughs> it, it's worked for me. But anyway, so I'm saving up my money to have that cushion. I have my cushion. And then the second piece about if you're ever thinking about leaving a corporate job that I think goes overlooked, but is really important too, is I knew I wanted to leave on really good terms. You know, my company had groomed me. My company had created a role for me. I loved the people I worked with. And I had learned so many valuable things that I I don't know I if I would know how to run a business if I hadn't been doing business development for years in that role. And I had learned so many things and I really respected the people I worked for. And you also never know, like I didn't know if this was going to work out. Like I was going to give it a try. I knew I, I, especially I had six months of income completely saved. So I was like, I know I at least have six months where I can try this, but if this doesn't work out, I want to make sure that I can apply for a job and I can use my last job as a reference because that's going to be big. Especially if you're, you plan on taking time away from the workforce, you're going to need, you're going to need to have those references handy. So I made sure to leave on really good terms. And for anybody who, you know, maybe you don't have that great of a work life, but and you and you really want to quit your job like that's just my big piece of advice is like don't leave hastily like leave on good terms because you never freaking know okay so i leave my job and it's funny because at this time big kid problems had been a really great side hustle um you know i loved working on it i was working on it like on my nights and my mornings during my commutes to work and from and in the bathroom at work. And now I had all day long to work on big kid problems. I'll never forget my first day where I, you know, wasn't going into the office. I I was 
now on my own, working on my own business. And there was like a level of panic that just like overcame me because I'm, you know, I'm used to just like doing this on the fly, but now I'm like, I have, you know, this entire day to do what I want to do. And now I don't really, I know like the basic things I want to do, but not a whole day's worth of things. Like this is a little scary. And I felt really like uneasy, I guess is the, is the right word to use. Like my first couple days of, of, um, having this newfound freedom. Like I just, I was kind of, I felt like I was like, wallowing almost because I just didn't really know where to focus my time, focus my energy. And I was just, I was very uneasy because I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. And my first day was weird. My second day on the job, I remember like I do like my initial things where I'm like creating content, whatever that lasts me about two hours. Like, what do I do now with my day? I remember I like switched on Netflix and like watched Schindler's List. That was my that was my second day of uh having my own business as I watched Schindler's List at like 1 p.m. on a Tuesday. Um which is like a 3-hour movie. So I I felt like mentally I was just like I was just kind of scrambling and wanted to fill my time, um but also I had never seen it and really wanted to. Anyway, so I realized after that, after switching off Schindler's List on a Tuesday, I'm like, fuck, I need to get organized and I need to figure out the how how to just manage a business on my own and this is like what kind of really started weirdly enough like my self-care journey <laughs> like honestly I'm like I need to I I started consuming podcasts like business podcasts I went to a Tony Robbins conference I started reading business books on like entrepreneurs and I'm like I just if I can learn from people who have done this successfully if I can take some things that other people other successful people have done I'll just implement that and use that and honestly like that is like what helps me kind of get structured and actually like get to a place where I could start running my own business without panicking every day and some of the big things that I I took away from that is um from other successful people is um one was like a morning routine like the importance of a morning routine and i always laugh because like i always hear health and wellness people talking about like the importance of a morning routine but like it really is freaking important especially if you're used to like waking up and going to an office every day and you have that structure built in to oh now i can wake up whenever i want and start working whenever i want i I learned pretty quickly that I needed to establish some form of morning routine to just get me ready to work. So even now, I mean, my morning routine's evolved, but I'll just give you mine real quick just to give you a sense. Um, You know, I wake up, I make my coffee. I am big. I I used to be really big into taking a cold shower. Like that's what Tony Robbins does. Um, And a lot of people do uh, to wake up the system. I did that for a long time. I'm kind of off my cold shower kick. But uh, for anybody listening, I kind of suggest it. If you, especially, it's like a good way to shock your system. Uh, and if you're especially new to your own business life, it, that was a good starting point. Anyway, the cold showers, journaling was a good thing, a great thing for me. I am like somebody who has a lot of frazzled thoughts, if you guys can't tell from following me on Instagram. But being able to just write, 
like brain dump in the morning into a journal is great. Meditation practice. That's I'm new into like meditation. Don't make fun of me. I do like a gratitude practice in the morning. So there's just like a couple of things that I do that are structured. I do every morning so that when I'm done with those, I can sit down at my computer and really focus on my job at hand. So I encourage anybody who is maybe transitioning into an entrepreneur life to look into a morning routine. Another big one was just, I knew I had to get organized immediately because the thing is, is when you're on your own in business, like there's no real roadmap. You know, like I said, you can look to others to see what they're doing in your space and kind of model some things on on success that you see around you. But there's no day-to-day roadmap. It's not like when you're in an office and your boss tells you what to do. And it's so funny because the whole time I was in corporate world, I was like, I hate being told what to do. I don't like being micromanaged. I, you know, I go against all the rules that I'm given. And now I'm in this position where I'm running my own business and I'm like begging somebody. I'm like, anybody tell me what to do. I'll do it. Um, so it was just kind of a weird transition, but I knew I had to get really, really organized in order to be successful. So some things I started implementing is I, first and foremost, and I still am very adamant about this, is I set like my weekly, my monthly, my annual goals. And then I write them down. I Everything I do, I, I have to write down and have it on paper in front of me. I don't know what it, you know, some people might want to put it in their calendars. No, I like to like see my lists in front of me. And then what I do is I just break down my goals really, really like granular. So I know what to do on a daily basis. So I'll give you, I'll give you an example. You know, we talked about the different revenue streams that I do in my business. And one, a big one is promotions and doing advertisements with brands. So on my goal list, I'm like, I need to bring in more promotions. So if I just wrote that on my list, I would never get anything done because like, there's a lot of steps that go underneath that. So underneath, I you know I write one of those ways is reach out directly to companies. So underneath that, I'm like to do to even just reach out to companies. I need to write a pitch email. I need to build a deck so I have something to send them that they can like check out my account, my numbers, all of that stuff. I need to make a target list of like the brands that I actually really want to work with. And then when I have my target list, I need to go in and actually find the people who work at those companies that are the right ones to get in front of. So I I take my goal, I break it down into all of those steps that I just listed, and then I have things that I can work on during that week. So I know, okay, this week I'm working on my pitch deck and I'm going to get my deck really tightened up and looking good. And I can kind of do work from there of what I need to do. But I really think for anybody who's starting a business, like you have to just get granular and you have to break it down into small baby steps because it is so, so easy to get overwhelmed. Like, I know this firsthand, like I get very overwhelmed easily. So my whole thing is just like, if I can put one step forward today, it's a successful day. So building out uh, a list, getting very organized was key to really just learning how to do this on my own. And there was a lot of unforeseen side effects when I started my own business that I, I never saw coming. One big thing is like, you know, 
I love big kid problems because it's like doing all the things I love. It's creating content. It's being funny. It's being creative. But when you're doing this as your full-time job, there's like a lot of side things that I never thought of that I was going to have to be doing on the reg. You know, like you have to set up a business license. You have to get an accountant. You have to like get an accounting system in place for, you know, your checks that are coming in and your expenses. You are creating contracts. You're negotiating contracts with brands that have like entire legal teams and I am my own, the only person representing me. So there was a lot of things that I realized pretty quickly that I was going to have to do that I'm better not, I wasn't good at. And luckily, I mean, I had a little bit of like business development background where I've, you know, I know how to read a contract. I know how to negotiate a little bit, but throughout this journey, I've really had to, I've just really had to improve on all my skills, even the things that I don't want to do. So like right now, I'm like reading a negotiation book called Never Split the Difference just to like, these are just things that I know I need to work on. And it's, I can't tell you enough, like how much of being your own, um, you know, business owner is like just you, I have to, I have to constantly be learning, constantly be challenging myself, constantly be improving. Like, and like I said earlier, like my, this is kind of led to like a self-care journey because that was another big thing. Like my entire lifestyle changed. (laughs) Like, honestly, I used to go out when I was working at a company, I was going out, you know, like three nights a week. I had client entertainments. I was meeting friends out at bars. I could roll in hungover, you know, just get through my emails and like my brain would kick on, you know, around like noon and then I would do other things. But and and I had been working in my job for a while, so I I knew the deal. I could I could really kind of like cruise through the day with a hangover and be fine. When I was working for myself, those days were over. Like I I I thought I really thought when I started my own business, I'm like, yeah, I don't have to wake up early to get into an office. I can go out later nights. You know, I'll be more relaxed. It'll be easier. Opposite was true. Like I could no longer afford waking up hungover because. At the end of the day, the paychecks when you're working for when you're working at a business, the paychecks are going to come no matter what. But when you're working for yourself, you got to be hustling every day because those paychecks are not guaranteed. And so all of a sudden I'm like I can no longer afford to be hungover during the week. I completely I probably cut back on going out by like 80%. Like now I'm only going out on weekends. I really like I'm working on something I love and it's just funny. Like my, my priorities changed. My lifestyle changed. I stopped drinking as much. Like I used to, I used to like throw them back with the best of them. Like, trust me. Um, and now I like barely drink at all, which is, I know is like very off brand for big kid problems. And I'm sorry to disappoint anybody who's listening, but I really, especially in like the last year, oh my God, when I turned 30, I really like, I, my tolerance for alcohol, like really curved down. Um, so now, I mean, I, barely drink. Like I maybe I maybe drink like once a week, which is kind of shocking. And like even then when I do drink, I'm having like two two drinks like max. That may change. You know, that's just that's just where I am right now because I mean this last year I've been building the podcast, which whew I'll get to that in a second, but um, I've just been very, very heads down. And I think that there's like seasons in life where you have to be just I, right now I'm uber, uber focused. So my lifestyle completely took a complete turn, which I, I never would have seen coming. Wow. 
So we're talking about some self-care tools and another big one is adding some extra vitamins and nutrients into my routine with supplements like Hum Nutrition. Each specific supplement pack from Hum Nutrition offers a combo of all natural ingredients designed with specific aims. So for example, you can choose a vitamin pack to help with boosted energy or brain function or to help your body cope with stress. There are so many great options and it's really important to take extra vitamins since we don't always get the nutrients we need from our food. Not sure what you need? Right now, you can take a quiz online to get personalized recommendations from a registered dietitian. And like, who doesn't love an online quiz? I mean, if you can take a 45-minute BuzzFeed quiz to figure out which Spice Girl you would be, you can do this. And your body will thank you. They also have a ton of beauty boosting vitamin formulas, which I am big into right now, especially as I get a little bit closer to my wedding. I'm taking their Runway Ready, which helps boost your hair, skin, and nails. And I'm also taking their raw beauty powder that contains like a ton of superfoods that help with energy and metabolism. Yes, please. Uh, If you want to take the quiz, just head to humnutrition.com and you'll get 20% off your vitamin pack with code BIGKID at checkout. They have convenient money-saving monthly plans that will ship right to your door. So again, just head to humnutrition.com and take 20% off with code BIGKID. Since we're talking about wellness, before we jump back into the episode, let's talk about shrooms real quick. I'm talking, of course, about mushroom-based beverages from Four Sigmatic. Drinking functional mushrooms has a ton of health benefits, and my very health-conscious boo, who is also an entrepreneur, turned me on to them a few years ago. Their collection of teas, coffees, hot chocolates, and elixirs are so satisfying throughout the day, and the mushrooms they're made with have been known to benefit immunity, energy, longevity, and just overall health. And I know drinking mushrooms might sound weird, but it doesn't actually taste like mushrooms. And there are so many benefits. Take the mushroom coffee with lion's mane. It is real coffee made with 100% organic coffee beans, but contains only about half the caffeine of a regular cup of coffee. Functional mushrooms have been known to support the adrenal glands. So that makes a big difference for anyone who wants the productivity of coffee without the jittery side effects that can lead to stress, which I don't know about you, but my stress already has stress. So I need all the help I can get. Oh, and many of Four Sigmatic mixes come in these handy little packets, so they are super easy to make. You just mix them with hot water, and they are just great for travel or on the go. So if you want to try Four Sigmatic, I have a special offer just for our Big Kid listeners. Go to foursigmatic.com slash bigkid, or use discount code at bigkid at checkout, and you'll get 15% off your first order. That is foursigmatic.com slash bigkid, or use discount code Big Kid at checkout. When your lifestyle like that changes, you know, other side effects happen. Like some of my relationships in my life that I thought were pretty strong, you know, started to not deteriorate, but they just started to shift. You know, like the people in my life that I was going out with three times a week, like I started seeing them less and like your friends change. And that's just like a part of life. And I think anybody who's going through an entrepreneurial journey, you know, your priorities shift. There's times where you have to be super, super focused and the people in your life who are supportive will be there. And then the ones that aren't, you know, you start to kind of like shift who you're closer with. And like, that's okay. But it's another one of those unforeseen things that I just didn't realize was going to happen when I started my own business. Another thing I didn't see is like when we, when I talked briefly about some of the hard things that I didn't like also like any freelancer listening to this can probably relate, but like 
you'll do a job, you'll do a gig or you'll do a promotion and then like you don't get paid on time. Like that was a big thing, like the inconsistent paychecks or not getting paid and having to be on top of like your payment, your own payment schedule and be your own advocate and follow up with people like that's all stuff that I hate to do, but it is a part of the job. Another big thing is like managing stress because like the uncertainty is real. Like when you plan on money coming in and then it's late, like the person doesn't sound, send it to you. I can't tell you just how much of being my own boss has made me really have to take on practices to help manage my own stress because it can be very overwhelming. I've talked about anxiety on this podcast a hundred times, but you know, it is, it's a very real thing. And I had to find out oh, back to the self-care. Like I had to really come up with practices that made sense for me. And I'm even to this, like I, I'm constantly consuming information. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm doing all this wellness stuff, not because I'm like, woo, you know, like a woo woo person that like loves wellness. I'm doing this so I can like literally be a, I can run my own business and keep my head on straight. So managing the stress is real. And this actually became, this all kind of came to a head when I moved to LA last year. For those of you who have been you know, following big kid problems or listening to the podcast for a while. I moved across the country. I moved from New York to LA last year. My boyfriend at the time, you know, we had been long distance for a while. I'm like, you know what? This job, one of the perks of doing big kid problems for a living is that I can pretty much live anywhere. So I picked up and moved to LA. But when I did that, I realized I'm like, I, I had to give up some of my revenue streams. Like I was, I mentioned that I was consulting in social media and that was a big piece of, of uh, where my income was coming from. But I, when I moved to LA, I'm like, I'm going to get rid of my consulting clients because I really want to focus on big kid problems more. I knew I really, really wanted to do the podcast. So I'm like, I'm going to give up my consulting clients and I'm going to really focus my time and energy into getting my podcast off the ground. That was like, I moved to, when I moved to LA, I'm like, this is a good opportunity. It's a fresh start. I can really put my head down and work on my podcast. But there was some big things that came with that. I mean, I knew for like two years that I wanted to do this podcast, but and I listened to a lot of podcasts, but I didn't know the first thing about starting my own. So that was like the first thing is I, I had to learn. I had to learn how to do everything. And I do mean everything. Like, it, But that's what's amazing about the time that we live in right now is that all of this information is available to us through the internet. Like I can't even tell you, like literally like I my first, I'm like, I want to do a podcast. I don't know what to do. I just literally opened up my laptop. And the first thing I did was Google how to start a podcast. And I found all these great articles of giving like steps of what you needed to do so I could get clear on, okay, I need to figure out what my show is. So that was like my step two is like, I wanted to come up with a format. And I know I didn't want to just do a regular podcast um, because there's so many of those. I wanted to come up with a unique format. And that's where I came up with the like round table in the beginning. And it was going to be fun and funny and relatable. And then the expert at the end, because I also wanted to give like really good information and resources to anybody listening. So that's where I kind of came up with my format. And I needed to be, I knew I, a lot of, a lot of people say, you know, with podcasts, when people start them is they don't realize 
you know, it's a weekly thing. You constantly have to be coming up with episodes. So before I started, I also sat down and I'm like, I'm going to write 10 episodes that I want to do so that I know that I can, this is something that I'm not just going to get three episodes in and be like, oh, shoot, I don't know what else to talk about. So I, you know, I wrote my 10 episodes, I figured out the guests I wanted for my first 10 episodes. And then I ordered my microphone. And then I had to do things like Google, like how to plug in your microphone. (laughs) You know, like, I, I really didn't know anything. But what I learned through this experience is that you just have to take it like one step at a time. And so many people talk about doing things. So many people talk about, I I did this. I talked about doing a podcast for two years before I started one because we all have so many excuses why we don't want to start or why we can't start. You know, like I don't have time. I don't know how to do it. I don't have the resources. I don't have the microphone. I don't, whatever it is, like we all and whatever business you're in, you know, I'm using this podcast as an example, but I'm sure you've probably experienced this or you've probably seen this where people talk and they don't make action. And making action is literally like the the most important thing. And for anybody who out there listening who is like, uh, yeah, I have this project I really want to do and I've been talking about it, but I, I, I don't know where to start. That's your first action. Like literally Google, how, how do I start a cupcake business? How do I start a podcast? How do I do this? Just get some very, very basic first steps. Like you don't have to figure out how to launch a podcast in your first day of Googling. Like you just need to know the first thing you need to do. You need to just do these small little things because as soon as you do one little thing, then you, the next step becomes clear. So that's what I did to do this podcast. Um, I really put my head down. I just concentrated on the little steps ahead of me, little steps ahead of me until I started to build a season. And then I, you know, I knew I had to, I had a season coming out, but this whole thing, this whole thing honestly took a lot longer than I expected it to. And it was a slower process because I didn't know what I was doing and I had to learn it from scratch. So while I was heads down focusing on my podcast, and this really was like a passion project for me. Like I, I, you know, this is the type of project and there are a lot of projects out there like this where you are building something and you're building and you're building and you're building and you're not making a dime while you're building. You know, one day the goal is that you could make money from it, but you know, you don't know if that day is going to come. You're doing it because you there's like this underlying thing underneath you that's telling you to keep moving forward. At least that's what my experience was with this podcast is I just had I was so drawn to it. And, you know, it was months of work, but you're not you're not getting paid on those months. You know, it's not like when you go to a job and, you know, you're, you're getting paid consistently when you're in business for yourself, you're really only getting paid for the, the finished result. You know, you're getting paid at the end. You're not getting paid for the, the, uh, what you're doing in between. So that's, that's a little bit of a difficult pill to swallow and something that maybe a little bit, bit of a mistake that I made this year is that, you know, I was very focused on this and I, I put all my eggs into my podcast basket. But while I was doing that, because I'm only one person, the machine of my, my business as it was, you know, started to everything slowed down. So I wasn't really making money how I normally was because I wasn't, you know, concentrating on reaching out for new brand partnerships. Um, I wasn't doing like some of the other things that I do to typically make my revenue streams. I was just really, really focused on the podcast. And luckily I had enough of a cushion that I was able to do that. But for anybody else 
who, you know, maybe doesn't have that cushion, but really wants to start a project. Another big thing is like, there's no shame in getting a part-time job. Like while you're, while you're working for yourself, like I, I even struggle with this. Like I, I feel like I'm like, I'm so proud of the fact that I run my own business, but I would be like almost embarrassed to tell anybody like, oh, but I also, you know, bartending on the side or something like that, because it, it felt, it would feel to me like, well, I'm not a true business owner. And that's bullshit. Actually, we talked a little bit about this uh, on episode two, season one, we talked about like finding your dream job and how even if you're building your own business or, you know, doing side hustles, like this is just the opposite of that. Like you're, if your side hustle becomes your own thing, like you can, you can work on the outside to support it. Actually, one of the listeners of that episode wrote to me and said like, you know, they were building their own business and they actually like they were struggling and it was really stressful. And after listening to that episode, they ended up getting a part-time job at like a, a yoga studio. And she was like telling me how much she loved working at the yoga studio because she's used to working home by herself all day. And then now she's like interacting with people and she loves yoga. So now she gets free classes. And I'm like, that's great. Making sure you can support yourself no matter how you're doing it while you're doing your job is one thing. Also, another big, big thing is having a great support system. You know, it's funny to say that because my business is completely, I am completely independent. Um, Everything I do is based off of me and me alone. But I don't think I could do this without having an outside support system. And really like my main support system is like my fiance. Brandon has been like an incredibly supportive partner. And honestly, like, I really don't know if I could have gotten through this year without having somebody like really cheering me on, you know, reminding me why I'm doing what I'm doing, because there's a lot of hard days. Like that's a big thing with, with your own business. Like the fluctuation can be crushing sometimes. Like I had a couple times this year where I went months where I was like not bringing in $1. And let me tell you, I was still spending lots of dollars. Like I still had rent. I still had a car payment. I still had to eat. And, you know, while I was heads down, not, you know, focusing on focusing on my podcast, I wasn't bringing in revenue. And that is extremely, extremely stressful. So I cannot stress enough, like how important it was and imperative it was that I had somebody pushing me forward because there was times that I just wanted to, run away and quit and like go back to getting a corporate job. I, I was able to lean on him. He he was allowing me to lean on him to build my business, which is 100% a luxury. And I know not everybody has, but I, I have to attribute some of my uh, ability to do what I'm doing because I have such a supportive person. And for anybody who is out there like, well, fuck, um, that supportive person can be anybody, but it is, it is important to like have somebody that can be hold you accountable to the things you want to do and like actually support you and choose that supportive person well because there's some people that can't like if I had gone to my parents with the same concerns that I was telling Brandon about they would have given me much different advice you know they would have told me to like well yeah you're nuts and you should go get a job make sure you pick the right person for this job make sure that you do have some support around you that understands your dream understands what you're going for it's crucial so yeah like that's where I'm at right now. Um, you know, this is big kid problems has grown. It's evolved. It's changed shifts. I've had to pivot at certain points. I've changed my platform around. I've re, you know, I've, I've increased, I've done new things like this podcast is a complete new venture for me, but that's kind of what 
at least in my experience, like in business has been, it's just a constant evolution. It's not always easy. There are tough times. There are great times, but it's the ability to kind of stick keep your head above water while all of this is happening. You know, taking care of yourself, I think is so, so important. I've mentioned it a couple of times throughout this, but really, really taking care, um, supporting yourself, making sure your body, your mind is in good shape so that you can roll with the punches because the punches are real, um, has been huge. And yeah, just like realizing that it's not always easy. It's the path is not always clear. You're going to turn, you're going to have your turnarounds. You're going to have setbacks. Um, but if you, I always, at the end of the day, like want to keep moving forward. And I'm really, I feel really lucky that I'm able to do what I'm doing. Like, it's crazy to me that you know, I was just telling jokes on the internet and have been able to kind of turn this into a business and, and make people laugh every day. And I know that like, sometimes I, you know, this podcast can help people in certain ways or make people feel less alone. And like, that is what makes me keep going every day. And that's what makes me like, love what I'm doing. Um, even though it can be a freaking dumpster fire sometimes, uh, at the end of the day, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. And that's, that's the biggest thing. And for anybody out there who is hoping to start a business or maybe you have a, want to start a side hustle or maybe you have those things and you want to change it into your full time, I hope this my story was helpful in some little ways. I, I, I want to inspire anybody who's curious about this, that you can do anything with, you know, the right attitude and a Google search bar. So let me know if this is helpful. If you guys like this episode, if you like these solo apps, let me know if you have any other topics you want me to do. Um, I might, you know, start to sprinkle them in into our regular scheduled big kid problems. But thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks for being here. Let me know how you liked this. Shoot me a DM, shoot me a message. Um, I love hearing from you. And this is a new experiment. So I, I kind of like need the feedback from you guys. So let me know. Uh, if you have any questions you can, about any of this, you can let me know too. I, I'm happy to help in any way I can. All right. So that's a wrap for this week. And join me back next week. We will be here with another regular Big Kid Problems episode. And actually, it's going to be our Halloween episode. So I have something special in the works for you guys. So without further ado, have a great week and I will see you next Tuesday.